Coming up on this edition of the Midco SN Podcast, we catch up with former North Dakota State and current Kansas State Athletic Director Gene Taylor as we reflect on his time in Fargo, the hiring of football coach Chris Kleiman, and his vision for the future in Manhattan. Welcome to the Midco Sports Network Podcast. Here's your host, Brian Sean. Welcome to another edition of the Midco SN Podcast. We are pleased to be joined by former North Dakota State Athletic Director and current Athletic Director at Kansas State University, Gene Taylor, who is uh, kind enough to spend a few minutes with us. And uh, Gene, how are things going down in Manhattan? Football season is rolling and uh, fall sports all across the border going for you here in your second full season. You know, it's, it's gone, going well. Obviously, first game under our belt uh, with Coach Kleiman and at a packed stadium, standing room only available and actually we got through over staying remotely and you know yeah you're rolling all of a sudden you got a couple of soccer matches this weekend and volleyball's on the road but they come home for the first time this weekend so you know it's an exciting time of the year a lot of there's a lot of anticipation um, about coach Kleiman what his team would look like and I think everybody walked away from here very very happy uh, Saturday night. I was going to ask you what that's been like for you hiring Chris and you know it's been several months now since that whole process took place and and that Chris has been there but how's it gone the first six or seven months I mean there's a a transition period for for him for his coaches for some of the other assistants he brought in and even for yourself in the athletic department some things that I'm sure he wants to change and some things you want to change as well yeah you know there's always you know transitions are you know never as smooth as you think they're going to be in but you know, this one certainly wasn't very rocky, and I think, you know, Chris's personality and who he is as a person made it very, very smooth. Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely he's changed some things, but, you know, he's, he's, he knows he's got to keep, the, you know, kind of the tradition and the core of what Bill Snyder built here. Um, as successful as Coach was over the last, you know, 30 years, you know, he wasn't going to come in here and completely turn it upside down. But, yeah, he wants to put his own stamp on it. You know, we've, we've, we had Chris extremely busy from the day he got here on campus full time until, you know, really until fall camp started just between, you know, social media stuff, him getting out on the road recruiting, uh, and then him getting out on the road to see our fan base and, and various events that we put together. So he's handled it like a champ and been very gracious and, uh, again, nothing surprising to me, but, uh, you know, it's been, it's gone very, very well. And, and I think Chris is, the way he handles things is a lot of reason for that. Absolutely. And I believe you got on board there in the spring of 2017. So this is your, you've had two go arounds and this is your third. What's been the most eye opening experience for you now as the athletic director at, at a university that's as large as Kansas state with the athletics in the big 12, obviously this is, it's, it's a whole different deal than, than some of the challenges you faced here at NDSU. Yeah. You know, I, it's, uh, a couple of things. Um, obviously, there's just more, right? More eyes on the program, you know, more intensity around the program in terms of, uh, you know, the winning and losing and successes. And, you know, when you're dealing with national figures like a, a Bill Snyder or, a, you know, a, a Bruce Weber in basketball, you know, it's just there's a lot more, you know, I would tell you dealing with the national media was probably the one thing that, you know, I realized early on that I didn't do a lot of in, in Fargo. Um, but yeah, just the, you know, the, the passionate fan base is very similar to North Dakota state. There's also a lot of similarities, you know, the fan base is crazy about the Wildcats as the, you know, North Dakota state fans are about the bison and 
care a great deal. Uh, they they want to be successful. I think they have realistic expectations for the most part, and you know, but just the, the national exposure that you know, sometimes you got to be not even sensitive to that in terms of decisions you make and how you make them, that sort of thing. How hard is it, Gene? I mean, I think when you go back to even the the coaching hire for Chris. Obviously, a ton of speculation um, in your neck of the world and everywhere else. Everybody's wondering what was going to be happening. There's reports of this, reports of that. How hard is that part of it for you? Because obviously, people want to know what's going on. You want to keep everything as close to the vest as possible, but that can be tricky. Yeah, no, it certainly can be, and anymore with you know how things get out there. But you know, for for me, the one thing that was a positive is I knew the day I took this job that. At some point, uh, Coach Snyder was going to retire. Now I didn't know exactly when it was, but I, I felt it would be in the first, you know, two to four years, you know, maybe five on the outside. So I had really the first couple years to plan and, and to talk to our staff and and you know come up with a plan that okay, if it happens at this point in time, if it happens at that point in time, you know, last year after my first year after we went to the Cactus Bowl, you know, we weren't sure. There was a lot of speculation, so we kind of went through our plan and how we would, you know, approach candidates, who we were looking at. Um, and then this year when it happened, we were just much more prepared to move pretty swiftly, knowing that there are going to be a lot of eyes on it, knowing that, you know, a lot of names were out there already, even before, you know, before even announced anything, candidates that fans wanted or the media talked about. So, you know, we I think we were just a lot more prepared than if he had just come in out of the blue and said, you know, I'm retiring. So we had some time to plan but yeah, you know, some of the stuff was legit that got out there, and a lot of it, you know, wasn't. So you just kind of had to keep moving through the process as quickly as you could, a to protect the candidates that you were talking to, uh, to try to keep the, you know, the rhetoric down to a minimum, and then and then get get a decision as quickly as we could. I have to ask this real quick to, to close the book on this. What's it like when you read something that is completely untrue? Are you just like, how how did that get out there? I mean, how. I just part of me just wonders how in the world it that's viewed when when something is out there and you can't comment on it obviously but you know for a fact that is a hundred percent false. Do you wonder how wonder how this stuff happens the way it does? You know, um, in some cases, yes. I, I did. You know, I did learn a lot. You know about the role the agents play anymore, <laughs> and and I I think honestly a lot of that stuff gets out there um, uh, from them. You know, trying to get their, you know, either get their candidates out there or get, you know, you know, something, you know, you know just in case they, they want their guy to, to get the job or not get the job. Um, and then in some cases, if, if there's a, if there's a, an agent out there that really wants his candidate's name out there, he'll put it out there and somebody we've never really talked to. So you, you kind of learn to laugh at it in some cases and just go, man, like you said, how did that get out there? And, <laughs> And then you just really ignore it. And, and then the ones that are legit, you, you, you obviously, like you said, you can't talk about it because you need to protect those candidates not only through your pro- process, but to protect them in their jobs to make sure they're not, you know, getting crossways with their own fan base or their their athletic director or whoever. So it's a, it's a balancing act, no question. Yeah, it's very, very interesting. It was, it was interesting to watch from afar as well and read about uh, from out here. Switching gears a little bit, um, you've been able to make your home out there. And ironically enough, Casey is, is coming back, uh, your daughter, after spending some time at Minnesota. 
Uh, what's that process been like getting her acclimated to working in the athletic department at Kansas State? You know, it's gone very well. Obviously, she's got, you know, a, a lot of experience, whether she, you know, was doing what she was doing at North Dakota State as a student, everything from a student manager to, you know, working in the department in the marketing area. And then, you know, she had a really good in- internship at, at Minnesota her first year and then rolled into a full-time job. And then in the middle of her full-time job, they asked her to come over and be the softball operations person. So she came in with a lot of experience. But she'd been here enough times over the last couple of years that she had met, you know, a lot of our staff, uh, particularly a lot of the staff that ultimately the department in which she's in. And then she met a lot of our donors um, through interactions. So it just it feels very natural for her to be here. It's, it's very cool to, as a dad to have your child not only go in the business you're in, but be able to, you know, spend some time working with them. And so Saturday was her first game, and all indications are I think she handled it very well. She loves Manhattan. Um, you know, like I said, she's already got a pretty solid uh, friend group here in town. So uh, I, it'll be great, and it's been, it was a lot of fun this weekend. And I don't deal with her much. I don't see her much during the week, but we get a chance to exchange a lot when we get home. And not sure how long, like I said, we were empty nesters for a while, but that, that, that's kind of a change. But we're not sure how long she'll stay with us, but she's stayed as long as she wants as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> I'm sure Kathy's okay with that too, your wife, right? Oh, yeah, she's, she's fine. And they're getting along okay, so that's a good thing. <laughs> Well, the, the fourth member of your family is uh, is still playing football at Northern State in Aberdeen. Uh, how much are you able to get up to Aberdeen and at least keep tabs on what's going on with the Wolves? Well, I'll get up uh, three times this year. Uh, and then we have two bye weeks uh, during the course of the year. Fortunately for me, they're all uh, his home games. And then Kathy will go up quite a bit. Like She'll miss a lot of her road games here at Kansas State to go up and watch Jared play. And he loves it. He's... He, he's feels really good about the camp they had as a team. He feels pretty good about his, you know, how he performed in the camp. Um, still battling for the, you know, spot, top spot. He's, I think, going to enter this season as the number two. But he loves he loves Northern and loves his teammates. He really he really enjoys living up, up there and, and playing football. He's I just find that he's still getting a chance to play football because he loves, he loves the sport. So as you've gone along in your career, I remember talking to you, it was maybe the year before you left, about um, whatever your next step was going to be, you may have to take a step as a number two in command somewhere to get the next job. What was the most valuable part about going to Iowa and working under Gary Barta that prepared you for this? Because obviously at the Power Five level, it is, it is different uh, than, than some of the challenges you face as a mid-major. You know, there were, I would say there were two things, uh, Brian. One was, again, realizing the national focus on a program and a couple of things that happened, nothing major, but, you know, were stories that, you know, I turn on ESPN, they'd be talking about, you know, Iowa this or Iowa that. Um, how watching Gary manage through those in a very calm, just kind of, Okay, you know, not overreacting, but yet reacting in a in a fashion that was timely and appropriate, and just watching how he handled that side of things. Um, you know, clearly the size and the scope of the budget and decisions that you can make with the dollars that you have available to you in a program with with those kind of dollars. Obviously, here at Kansas State, we're you know still quite a bit less than than in Iowa, but we're obviously a lot more than we had at North Dakota State. So. You know, managing through that and how you make those decisions. And, um, you know, so those things uh, helped me a lot. And then I was involved, with, again, with, the uh, you know, oper- I kind of got back into 
you know, the operational side of the, of the business and working with football operations, basketball operations, team travel, and just really kind of refresh my memory about, you know, the importance of those people on your staff and, and, and the pressure that they're under. So, you know, it was good for me. It, it obviously helped me get out there. I mean, I had interviews, um, you know, several times over the course of my time at Iowa, and I think it's simply because I had a Big Ten experience on my resume and a guy like Gary Barta called in for you. So, um it it, it 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 was something I wasn't sure I needed to do, but the when I did it, I, I realized that it was, a, it was a really good move for me, and you know, just having to be at the right time, in the right place. Absolutely, and that that's all part of it. And you know, one thing, Gene, I always liked about you and respected about you is you really uh, were all focused about the student athlete experience, and you got emotional about a lot of things, whether it was happy, sad, upset. You really wore your emotions on your sleeve, and I think that showed a lot of the student-athletes and coaches how much you cared. But I also recognize that's something that you probably have had to tone down now over the years because there are so many more eyes on you. Is that hard for you? Has that been hard for you to not show as much emotion as maybe you used to? Yeah, I mean, I still do, obviously. <laughs> uh, I, I, but you're right, I think a couple of things. I think, A, it comes with experience, and, you know, the longer you do this, uh, you know, it just – you manage it differently. Um, you know, I obviously have been a close football game or basketball game. Like when we beat Kansas at home this year, I, there's a video of me getting pre-fired up in the back of the basket, you know. Uh, so I still do. I mean, that's just, it's, but yeah, you're right. There are a few more eyes and you just have to be, realize that. And, you know, I think the longer that I'm here and the more I get to know our athletes and, and the more I get to know our coaches on a personal basis, you know, sometimes that's where that emotion comes in when the, when you're new and you don't know a lot of these athletes personally or, or the coaches. You're able to keep those emotions in check, and and so maybe that'll come back as I as I you know am around here a lot more. But yeah, I've just always been a very emotional guy, and you know, I, I do I do care about the, I, I watch how hard these kids work week in week out, day in and day out, and when they have success, I enjoy celebrating that success and. Uh, you know, it's, that's why I think Chris brings a little of that too. When you see him on the sidelines, in terms of how he congratulates the kids and you know grabs them and hugs them, and, and it, it showed Saturday in the locker room post game, one of our players, um, you know, in a the Twitter thing I saw out there, got got pretty emotional talking about how you know how the game was for him. So uh, you know, that's that's a good thing. Yeah, no, absolutely, and that's 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 part of it. That's part of college athletics. You got to love what you do. That's for sure. Um, North Dakota State. Hey, basketball. We we got a basketball game coming up down there in November. You know, I got in trouble. This is kind of funny. I don't know if David will remember this or not, but the Richmond and I and the families, because Casey, you know, babysat for David's kids for a long time, so we're pretty close. We were down at the Final Four, went out to lunch, and we were just talking away. And uh, apparently, I had forgot to tell Kathy that North Dakota State was going to be here in. in in early season, and David forgot to tell Stephanie that. So they both were looking at us like, are you going to tell us that we get to play in a basketball game? <laughs> so, um, that'll be fun. It's, I think it's one of our first games of the season. Um, it's a Monday, I believe, after we play KU in football. So I'm looking forward to hosting them. That'll be, that'll be a fun game. Yeah, how did that come about? Did, did North Dakota State reach out to you? Did you reach out to them, or was this a conversation that's, that you guys have had for a while now? No, um, you know, I don't do a lot with basketball scheduling because there's so many games and moving parts. It's usually the operations uh, person, in our case, it's Drew Sparrow here. And he called me and said, hey, do you think North Dakota State would play us? And I said, yeah, I think they would. And so I text David and he said, yeah, we 
we might have a date open. So they started talking and then he back and forth a little bit with guarantee stuff, but then they got it wrapped up. So yeah, good for, good for us to have a host here. And, you know, I think they got a pretty good team coming back too, uh, based obviously on last year's success and a lot of guys coming back. So yeah, be a good early season test for us. I think Dave was maybe your last hire, if I'm not mistaken, right, to Gene? Uh, before you left, is it is it strange to think that uh, you're bringing back a guy? I know that you kind of gave him his first opportunity as head coach. I'm sure that's still special for you. You know, it is. Uh, it happened at Iowa, too. I don't know if you remember that, but, you know, my first year at Iowa, they came uh, to Iowa under Dave's leadership, and that, was, that had been scheduled, you know, before I left North Dakota State. So, um, yeah, it's, you know, it's just fun to see uh, – you know, like David Richmond, you know, he kind of grew up in that kind of, he did grow up in the basketball at NDSU and, and to watch him have the success and become a head coach is, is just really fun to see. And then to have him be able to, you know, bring him into his, uh, you know, into your institution and play, you know, against him. Those are great moments. And whether it's a, you know, a Saul Phillips or a Tim Miles or, you know, Craig Bowl moving on to Wyoming and have success, and then obviously Coach Klein and other coaches. It's it's just a lot of fun to see and to be able to have that relationship and maintain those relationships and then bring them in. It is it is cool to see, and, you know, hopefully he'll have a lot of success uh, all season long except for one game against Kansas State, you know. <laughs> yeah, I feel, yeah, you got to hold the company line on that one. I, I don't doubt Uh Gene, I, I was going to ask you that. You know, part of college athletics are short-term plans, the here and now, but there's also that long-term three- to five-year vision that I think every athletic department tries to look ahead to what's going to happen in 2025 and 2030, the way college athletics are changing and what you need to do with facilities. What does your vision look like? You know, what are some of your long-term plans that you've been able to sit down and work through maybe with some other administrators on your campus or even some donors out there about, about what the future of Kansas State athletics holds? You know, for us right now, it, it does boil down to facilities. Uh, John Curry, the AD before me, did a lot of really good uh, improvements in terms of, well, matter of fact, we were here as, as North Dakota State in 2013 right after they opened the, a very beautiful, what they call it, the West Stadium Center, a new press box and suites. Um, since then, they've opened a new football complex. Um, they've opened up a basketball complex, but we knew we weren't done. We had a lot of places we needed to touch, volleyball, indoor track. We needed to finish off Bill Snyder Stadium. You know, we need a new indoor football. So we're going to come out uh, very shortly. We introduced a master plan last fall of about $200 million worth of facilities that we uh, needed to improve upon, a, a facilities we didn't have or facilities that needed upgrades. And we're going to announce shortly our plan to uh, – to decide which of those facilities are going to be first out of the gate. And so for us right now, we're going to announce a pretty aggressive, uh, you know, facility initiative over the next three years that we're going to try and accomplish a lot of facility improvements with, you know, three or four of our programs. Um, and then the other thing is just, you know, revenue and, and how do we continue to grow revenue when we're one of the lowest budgets in the Big 12, hopefully in a couple of years, you know, our TV revenue will, will improve as the Big 12 redoes their TV contracts, but we also have to look at opportunities to increase our revenue as more and more of our expenses are going up. And, you know, if we're not selling out every home football game and every basketball game, uh, our revenue opportunities are limited. So, you know, those are probably the two big things that, that we're focusing on for the next three to five years. All right, last question I got for you. I remember when you took over at North Dakota State, you guys had a $5 million budget here. 
And now the budget here is at $25 million, which is seems gargantuan, although that pales in comparison to a lot of the budgets that you're seeing across college athletics, especially in the Power Five. How, how challenging is that part of it for you? You talked about revenue, but you're talking about millions and millions of dollars in budgeting that you're trying to improve upon in addition to facilities. What, how, how do you do that? How do you find new revenue streams? You know, it's, it is, it's, I scratch my head sometimes. Obviously, I think when I left North Dakota State, we were at, you know, 17 and a half million or something like that. And, you know, you go to Iowa and they're over a hundred million. And, you know, like I said, they make a hundred thousand dollar decision. Like it was me spending 10 bucks of my own money and it. Like, yeah, we can do that. And at North Dakota State, a hundred thousand dollar decision was something either you probably weren't going to be able to do, or you're going to have to figure out what a way to, you know, find the money. And, you know, so here it's it's somewhat similar, but um, you know, I just you, you do kind of lay awake at night, and and how do we maintain this for the future? How do we, you know, as, as more and more pressure comes on us, whether it's you know more folks on our athletes in terms of giving them pieces of the pie, which whether it's a payment to them or or more money in their scholarships or some other sort of things, you know, you teams that go to the Final Four or in football or the Final Four in basketball, you're paying for their families to go now. And there's just so many more expenses that you didn't have. Obviously, coaches' salaries continue to go through the roof. And at some point, you wonder, you know, and then, and then how does our decisions at the Power Five level trickle down, you know, to the to the Group of Five and then the FCS programs? And it's and it's scary. I mean, you know, when we, when we agreed at the Power Five level to start feeding our athletes at any point in time, wherever we wanted – that was a $2 million hit at, at, at Iowa. And I'm thinking, well, you know, those, and it wasn't a decision every school had to make, but sure enough, North Dakota State, you know, invested in some pretty significant refueling stations and some opportunities to feed. So that, so there's some that will trickle down and then how do they continue to pay those expenses? So it's, it's, it's worrisome. You know, you, our budget was pretty much a hold even budget this year for the first time in, in folks that have been around here for a while. So you just have to really be conscious of, of how you spend your money and, and decisions you make. And uh, it, it does sometimes keep me up keep me up at night wondering how the heck are we going to pay those bills. But so far we've been able to do it. And, we'll, you know, we're one of eight institutions nationally or ten, I think, now that are fully self-funded. We get no student fees. We get no state fees. We get no tuition discounts. We get no university dollars. And so we're one of the, I think, ten Power fives that are are absolutely self funded, so that that makes it even scarier in some ways. Yeah, I did not realize that. Wow, that even makes what you guys are doing uh, more impressive. And and Gene, I I appreciate the time. Uh, it's good catching up with you. I wish you guys the best out there this fall and throughout this season. And uh, we'll be keeping an eye on, on certainly the football programs and then certainly the basketball program as well in early November. Looking forward to seeing you down the road. Brian, thanks so much. You're awesome. I love listening to you guys. When I get a chance to watch you guys, uh, watch North Dakota State play, you do a phenomenal job on the TV, and and uh, just uh, always appreciate a relationship. And it's great to have, great to be on your show. All right, that's Gene Taylor. Thanks for listening to this Midco SN podcast. To listen to any of our past episodes, visit midcosn.com/podcast.